I'm going to step up here because I like to get down on the floor close to people. And I did that in early service, but I realized you're used to this tall guy that you can see even when he's on the lower level. I'm a good bit shorter, so I'll, I'll stay up here today and I'll try and see if I can get close to you otherwise. Well, we begin that with those three words that I love to use for the start of a message. Grace, mercy, and peace. They are yours from God our Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I love the fact that you have a creative pastor and staff that are willing to step outside the bounds to find resources, things that touch our hearts and our lives in sermons, studies. And I was kind of caught back a little bit when Pastor Martin called and he said, Jack, we're going to be doing a series during Lent and I'd like to see if you're available on this date. I said, great, what are we doing? He said, the gospel according to Willy Wonka. And I said, all righty then. I thought I was the only one who was goofy enough or crazy enough to do that. But I'm glad to see that we understand there are narratives in this world, there are events in this world that can be used to share the word of God so long as it doesn't get in the way. The word has to be first. So with Willy Wonka and what you've seen, I, I need to ask first of all, I want to compare this to early service. How many of you have actually seen the movie Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Raise your hand. See, this is probably two-thirds or more. In the early service, it was maybe a third. And I said to them, you need to see this movie. It's a classic. I understand the form of it is not for everybody, but if you watch it and do the character study, you'll understand these sermons even more and we'll have the insights for ourselves. Because you see, all the characters in The Chocolate Factory, all of those characters, children and adults, show a side of you and me that is, frankly, it's not always flattering, is it? And you've seen a couple of weeks of this, and today I want to introduce you to the character that I really don't like, and Pastor Martin gave her to me. <laughs> If you want to say which is the worst character, this is the one that I would say is probably the worst. It's a young pre-adolescent child, Veruca Salt. She wants, well, I'll let you watch, 20-second clip, and then I'm going to ask you some questions. So please watch. Hey, Daddy, I want a golden goose. Here we go again. All right, sweetheart, all right. Daddy will get you a golden goose as soon as we get home. No. Wonka, how much do you want for the golden goose? They're not for sale. Name your price. She can't have one. Who says I can't? The man with a funny hat. I want one. I want a golden goose. Remember the fable about the goose that lays the golden egg? This is what Veruca is going after. She wants the golden egg. She wants the goose. When you look at that little clip, tell me, I am going to get closer to you for this, what are the, a few things you observed in that clip. One word. Keep going. 
<laughs> little obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. Somebody came up with early service and said, this is a child who is entitled. They feel like they're entitled to everything. I think, I think I can everybody see me okay here? I'll try and stand up. <laughs> Veruca is a child who is selfish, conceited, self-centered, impatient, rude, entitled, all of those things that you have said. Is she a likable child? No. What else did you notice in the clip? Her daddy. What's the problem with daddy? He is the uh, epitome of what we would call the source of affluenza. Does anybody remember that term? Veruca gets whatever she wants, whenever she wants, no matter who's in the way, and it includes bullying, even daddy. Now, we're going to circle around and come back to that. But I want you to realize what we see in Veruca is a lot of what we read in that First Timothy passage. And it says, Paul said, in the last days, this is what you're going to find. Folks, we've been in the last days ever since Jesus rose into heaven, okay? But we see stuff now that seems worse than it's ever been in some ways. The thing is, all those things that Paul describes are the same things we see in Veruca and more. And as he talks about being rude, impatient, abusive, all those things, he also adds lovers of whatever they want, their own desires, rather than for the word. And that's so much like today. It's one thing to have people gathered here to hear the word. You're here because you want to be. Maybe you came here just to check it out. Maybe somebody online is just saying, let's find out what's going on. Oh, they don't even have their real pastor preaching today. You're going to hear the word, though, because that's what we do. But that word is meant not just for the good church people, the ones who know Christ. And by the way, we do still struggle, don't we? What did we say? Patient or impatient, abusive, and self-centered, and lovers of money, and all that. Is that a, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on this one. But does that apply to anyone here? Absolutely. To every one of us at some point in our lives. We're no different. Except we have something very unique and special. It is that prodigious father who will not leave us in our mess. I love that Pastor Martin said that about it. The, the word prodigious. What does prodigious mean? What was the word he used? Haha, -ha, caught you. Lavish. Lavish. I used it for something that was overwhelming. It's kind of like I have a prodigious nose. Uh, I have a very prodigious forehead. Flies don't know where to land. All right? But the prodigious sin of the son is overwhelmed by the prodigious love 
of the Father. And the thing is, the Holy Spirit is the one that worked in that young man's life. See, Dad gave the boy his inheritance. This, is, this was grounds for death. The boy was literally saying, Pops, I wish you were dead. I want my inheritance now. And instead, the father divided for his sons, turned the boy loose for the consequences of his choices. And the whole time the son was gone, wasting money, how long do you think it took him to go through that wealth? I know it depends on how big the inheritance was, but do you think it was 10 years? No. You think it was probably one year? Maybe. Let's shoot for four or five months, maybe. The old expression, a fool and his money are soon parted. See, that's another difference with early service. They came back almost with a roar. Are soon parted. You guys, I can tell which of you are familiar with those old sayings. A fool and his money are soon parted. The great news is the sinner and the love of God are not soon parted. Instead, like the father in the parable, our father looks and waits for us. He waits for the Holy Spirit to convict us just like it was the Holy Spirit that drove that young man to his knees in a field of pigs and humbled him to the point to where he said, even my dad's servants eat better. They, they have something. I'll go home on my knees. And he did. That's the Holy Spirit speaking. Convicting us of that, whatever it is that's been going on in our hearts and our lives. Whatever it is that gets in the way of us really maturing into the people of God. So that's the Luke reading. The next part of this has to do with going back to the first Kings reading. Now you're not going to see the verses up, it's just a reference. I'd like you to be able to take out your Bibles or else pull it up on your app on your phone, look at it, because this is that narrative of Naaman. Naaman, the mighty commander of the Aramaic or the Aramite army. This is a guy who is feared and respected, both by enemies and by friends. There's just one problem. What does he have? Leprosy. As a result, he's an outcast. Even his own troops cannot come near him. He can only speak and send out commands without being close to them. Before the service, your pastor was in here mixing and mingling with you, finding out what's going on in your lives, wasn't he? He's a shepherd, and he chose to be there with you. Naaman could not do that. But a little slave girl captured in battle, an Israelite girl, said to Naaman's wife, there's this guy down in Israel who can cure this. Naaman gets permission to go. King sends a letter. And Naaman takes off gold, silver, clothing, donkeys. I mean, this guy is loaded down 
with a caravan of goods. And he gets to Israel and he hands a letter to the king. Actually, the letter was earlier, but we're taking a little liberty with it. The letter says to the king, cure my commander's leprosy. And the Israelite king despairs until somebody says, there's a guy who can do it. Naaman pulls up in front of Elisha's house. He's got his caravan, gold, silver, clothing, donkeys, warriors, chariots. Guy looks impressive, doesn't he? And he also has leprosy. And what does Naaman do? Does he come out to greet him? No. In geopolitical circles, this is what we call a faux pas. You don't take a high-ranking dignitary and leave that person standing and send out a servant to them to deliver a spoken message. How do you think that made Naaman feel? Can you see the steam coming out of his head? But the servant says, this is what master says. When Naaman hears the word, he is angry. He leaves, and I'd, I'd bet my last nickel that he's ready to go back to Aram, gather his armies, and come back and stomp these guys. Instead, his own servants, moved by the Holy Spirit, said, Master, Father, if it was something tough, really challenging, would you have done it? Well, of course. I'm Naaman. Well, then do something simple. And he does. And he's cleansed. Remember I said we were going to circle back to some things? Veruca's daddy wanted to buy the golden goose, didn't he? What was Willie's response? Not for sale. You can't buy it. There are some things in your life that are so precious to you, no matter how much someone offered you, you'd say, nope, not going to happen. On the other hand, you may very well be moved to help someone and give away your most precious possession to help them and enable them in their life and their spiritual walk with Christ. Isn't that crazy? If you demand it, forget it. But if it's freely given, that's why we're here. Naaman was cleansed, and what did he do then? Let's go back and leave a tip for the paid holy man. Right? And what did Elisha say? No. This is free. And my brothers and sisters, it's free for you and me. Veruca Salt may be the worst of the characters. You may find another you find more dislikable. And that's fine. And there are people in your life that you find very dislikable, or if you prefer the word, unlikable. 
They may be the worst in your mind, but they're not. You see, the Apostle Paul said, I am the chief of sinners. I am the worst. And I want us to remember that Jesus Christ came in grace. Not just for the good church people, but for the worst of those who do not yet know him. And by the way, we're also included in that worst, right? How many sins does it take to keep us out of heaven? One. How many are washed away by the blood of Jesus? All of them. He came for the worst. He came for the most self-centered. He came for the ones who were separated from him. The ones who were shunned by social leprosy. The ones who were ignorant and trying to buy their way through life with everything. And instead, our Heavenly Father wrote a check for your forgiveness and mine, and it is written in the blood of His Son, the most precious treasure of all. And it was signed for you and for me. Just a couple of weeks ago, here at the start of Lent, you sang a hymn. Uh, first of all, before we go with that, pull out the hymnal from underneath the, the chair. I want to see how many people know what a hymnal is. All right, that's fine. Now that I know that you know what it is, you can put it back because it's going to be up here. The, the hymn is number 611, and it's chief of sinners though I be. And we're going to just speak the first two verses. And I want you to think about this. It's written by Paul. It's written by this hymn writer. It's written in the word over and over. You and I are the worst. I'm, I'm the first in line. You have to line up behind me. I'm the worst. I'll go first. And yet we have this assurance. Let's speak verse 1. Chief of sinners, though I be, Jesus shed his blood for me. Died that I might live on high. Live that I might never die. As the branch is to the vine, I am his and he is mine. Now, before you start reading verse 2, guess what? You get to do something a little different today. You're going to sing it with me, and we'll find out if you really have a voice without accompaniment. Are you ready? We'll start with, Oh, oh, the height of Jesus' love, higher than the heavens above. Deeper than the depths of sea, lasting as eternity, love that found me wondrous thought, found me when I sought him not. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, thank you that you have never given up on us. In spite of who we are, you love us because of who you are. You step into our lives every day. You show us our unreasonable natures. And by your Holy Spirit, thankfully, you bring us to our knees. And you show us once again that even now, you are our Father, our good, good Father who loves us. Lord, for the gift of our Savior, we praise you, we thank you, and we ask that you fill us with your Spirit, that daily we may not only be more like him, but live as him as well. Amen.